So I grew up in this little town and they didn't have a lot of tourism, but for one year period, they had this cage outside of this big hunting store. And believe it or not, they had a live bear in that cage. Oh my gosh. Well, people started bringing like sodas and stuff. And they started letting the, the bears drink from their soda can. But one, one day, unbelievably sad, somebody slipped in in a soda fuel, gasoline oh my fuel. And this damn bear, before anybody knew it, started lapping up all of this gasoline. Oh, my gosh. Well, about two minutes later, this bear started going crazy, and he moved the bars just enough. And the next thing we know, he pops out. And he freaking starts running into town, this bear galloping. And within uh, about two minutes of, of his running, gets within about 100 feet of this big group of people standing out in front of the, the general store. And then all of a sudden, Tony, without any explicable notice, the bear just boom, keeled over. He ran out of gas. <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> that was my punchline. <laughs> Hello again, everyone. Stephen Todd here with ProMiles Software Development Corporation. Welcome to another episode of Trucking with ProMiles podcast featuring this cool cat, the owner, my boss, Tony Strongcheck. How are you, Tony? Doing good, buddy, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. We're going to talk about some serious topics today, such as fuel charges and cost plus and all those good things and what they mean to the trucking industry and the drivers going to go to Washington, D.C. I hate to go there too often, even though I live close by, Tony. But um, some bills going through on energy, which affects, you know, diesel fuel and those types of things. A truck parking bill actually making its way through Congress, maybe. We'll talk about that. Um, also, um, sadly, a little bit later in the podcast, we'll chat about um, a tragedy, another bridge hit fatality. Mm involving an oversized load. Very sad. And it involved a driver allegedly operating on an annual permit, which kind of brings uh -oh. up a whole other lot of topics that uh, we'll, we'll chew on a little bit later. But uh, before all of that, um, as we were coming on, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about pickles, man boobs, <laughs> and eating, eating cakes with babies on Good Friday. What in the world? What are we I'm, talking I'm, about? I'm going to blame Steven. you. That, that was not me. That was, the pickle that was story, I think, the, will leave. The producer. The pickle story, who is your daughter, <laughs> by the way. The pickle story, uh, I think, will leave for another day because that could probably cause us to lose our, our PG uh, rating. But the man boob thing, I'm, I'm a little self-conscious here. Megan likes us to look, you know, sharp and, 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 and appropriate. So I tuck in my shirt because... Way back when, I used to be in broadcasting when I got out of college, and they taught you to tuck in your shirt and sit on your shirt to avoid those wrinkles. But when I do that now, my wife says my man boobs start getting exposed, and <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably a little bit too much information for everybody. 
You're yeah, nice and thin. Think, you don't have so. to worry about man boobs, do you? Not, not yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, now it ain't pretty. It's it's what's below the man boobs. It's this big round thing down there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I had a pin tire. the other day and I lost. I couldn't find the damn pin. I looked everywhere. I stood up and it was right underneath my belly. You know, right between your belly and where your belt goes and everything. That's where it was the whole time. And I knew I had that pin somewhere and it was right there. And that's because I couldn't see it when I looked down anymore like I used to. <laughs> when we start doing polls, we're going to do polls eventually in the podcast when, when, when I figure out that technology. But I'd be interested. Maybe it's just me being self-conscious, but how many men feel like they got man boobs, moobs, I think they call them. Does oh, anybody know, else man. worry about man boobs? I don't know. Well, I, only, I don't know because I, I never really be. I, I'm not looking at the men that have men boobs. I, I don't, I've I never don't know, seen man. you tongue tied before on a topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> From I, now I on, Megan, when we want to get Tony speechless, <laughs> we're just going to text him or talk <laughs> into his ear. Man boobs, man boobs. He'll freeze up. Yeah. <laughs> freeze yeah, up. Yeah. I don't but know. I tell you what, Steve, so one while thing we I record will, it. Mm -hmm. Now, Steven, I'll tell you this, though. Now, to keep from getting the man boobs, okay? Oh. You just got to exercise. You really do. What? You know? Yeah, because what happens is the older you get, the less you use all these muscles, the less you go out and do the things like you used to. And so over time, the all the muscles will start deteriorating. And, well, we eat a lot and things get heavy. Well, gravity takes it from there. So my wife swears that if women would have never started wearing boobs, they would never have to worry what? about them sagging. Yes. They said because it helps hold it up. You're not exercising your boobs. You got to. I don't know how. I don't know if you put these little rings on it with chains and then you hold what weight underneath it and you do this or something. I don't know. But you have to work them somehow. I don't know how you work them. Okay. But according to the wife, she shouldn't have to wear a bra anymore. Our producer, but, Megan, is off camera right now, but she's probably climbed under her desk right about now. <laughs> Because I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but our producer, Megan, is Tony's uh, daughter. And uh, I can only imagine how embarrassed she is right now. By the way, Megan, if you can hear me, your dad keeps using a cuss word, exercise. And we're not supposed to say too many cuss words. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a cuss word in my book. That, word that is not. That is, that is <laughs> what you got to do, Stephen. That's why you got man boobs and I don't. You got to exercise, man. You got to <clears throat> do stuff with them. But I'm, I go back to the whole wearing a bra thing, and I'm being serious about this. Okay. Oh, please. You please think go about back to the wearing the bra thing. Yeah. Go to Google and Google African wild women or something, you know. <laughs> and what's going to happen is you're going to see these women that live out in the woods, you know, in the Amazon, you know, back out in all that area. Look at their boobies. Are any I, of I did their boobies, in, listen to me, in, are any In fourth of grade, the, okay. in fourth grade, me and my buddies went to the school library and we looked uh, at all of those too. things. I did too. The National too. Geographic. So, so now but you know the pictures age, I'm talking so about. Much. All right. So you know the pictures. Look at them. Do you see any of those boobies hanging? Do you ever see those boobies hanging? Okay. No. You know why? They got muscles in it. And those muscles help. Now, the ones that do sag, those women didn't, they're not the ones hauling the water and stuff. Those women that work all day long in them tribes, their boobs are fine. So that you know, tells me 
Stephen Hodd needs to exercise. You need it's to go to the gym, Stephen. You need to get your trainer, okay? This trainer will help you understand which muscles to exercise and how to exercise those muscles. All you got to do is go and say, hey, I need a boob job. I just can't afford it. So can I, you help me do it with muscles? I had a good trainer for a while. If you remember, he was virtual. Uh, my buddy from Landstar um, uh, was my trainer. And he's a professional bodybuilder and he got on me every week and he just, man, he, he didn't know what to make of me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we finally amicably parted ways. I think I was his first failure. Well, Steven, <laughs> Steven, 30 Steven, years Steven, of training. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> you said Landstar. Now Landstar, uh -huh. they have trucks, right? And they drive trucks right. and all that. Right. And so you went and found a truck driver to teach you no, how to he, work out. He is. He is the husband of one of our good friends from corporate Landstar. And I better not say oh. anybody's name on here because I don't want to get anybody upset. But he's a great, great guy. He's he's a professional bodybuilder, seriously. And he does training online. But he, he didn't know what to do with me. Well, you know what you need mess. to you know what you need to do now. You, you got in a good idea. They need a trainer. They need him to be the trainer for all those guys. Cause you know how much time and effort has been put into health when it comes to these truck drivers, I they know. got it. They need exercise. He's so tough. I, honestly, they need it. Landstar needs. A, and I bet you, if you really dig in, ask your buddies at Landstar, I bet you they mm. have some type of a health system that they offer the drivers, you know, some type of a support line, some type of video where you can video a trainer, somebody, I guarantee you Landstar has it. If they don't, you need to tell them they need it. We need our drivers safe. We need them healthy, right? <laughs> they need to work out, you know? Yeah. Hey, speaking of Landstar, uh, what a great new friend we've made. Chris Polk, uh, yeah. big agency owner with Blue Ribbon uh, Logistics, Blue Ribbon Podcast. That was spectacular. You have fun? I, I did. It's always interesting because you get different type of drivers out there and you get different kind of guys running trucking companies. It's not all these guys in suit and ties that are running these things, you know, mostly when you get down to the smaller groups. And I think he said he had like four, you know, total of 14, 15 vehicles. He had 10 or 11 on the road at the moment. The other ones are getting, you know, repaired or upgraded and stuff, but you know, it's, it's his passion. It's him telling it like it is, you know, I, I like him. He's like, you know, you don't need to lease a truck. You need to buy a truck. Well, not everybody has $80,000 to buy that truck and do it this way. But, but Chris, he's a trucker, but he's also a smart guy that, that has oh, business sense. Brilliant. And if brilliant. you are going to, the one thing Larry. I liked about Chris is he said a real truck driver that's out there driving the road, sweating tears and really making things happen. That's the trucker that we need out there because he's going to move. He's going to make things happen. But imagine you fill that truck driver up with knowledge about how to run a business, how to do financing, how to get deductions, you know, how to do things, you know, with a business that you've never done before. Man, I can drive a truck. I can fix that truck and repair it. But that's Chris. Chris is it's so funny. I'm watching all the little things come up on the you know screen of all the things people are typing and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, yeah. one of those suckers said something about, well, he don't believe in this. And man, Chris, I got, I'll be back. I'll be back. I thought he was getting up to leave. No, he was ready to hold on a second. I got to let this guy hear what I got to say, but you know what? That guy cares that guy. He spends more time doing stuff. That's not making him money. It's talking to other drivers. It's, oh, it's yeah, helping people. Yeah. That man will go out of his way 
to help somebody understand how to do something better in their business. It's not giving him any money. He's not benefiting off of this, but he's doing it. Why? Because nobody was there when they needed it, you know? And that's why him and Larry just, you know, came so close together. Larry had this business knowledge that just, it, it blew Chris away. And it's a great team, buddy. But that's 95% of the market is Chris Polk. That's yep. 95% of this market. It's that size fleet. And him being leased on and dealing with Landstar and dealing with these groups, he knows. He's been through it. And I'm telling people, just listen to him. You know, it, it, it's he's he's got his own reasonings for things. You know, he's got his own, uh, you know, he, yeah. there may be things he believes in that, you know, maybe not every trucker does. But you know what? A lot of what he has to say is the truth. And if you just listen to oh. the truth, make your own decision. But I like Chris. He, I, I like that podcast. Yeah. Hey, did you notice how his screen's always blue? You know? Notice no, that in the background next time. And, you no. know, I asked him why he says blue ribbon podcast. He said, so I had <laughs> these, course. he said, I had of these course. lights that were somebody already had put in this room. Anyway, you can change the different colors. He said, so I thought blue would be a good color to go with the podcast. So that's why maybe, it's blue. Uh, so if anybody ever wonders. Maybe Megan later could edit in a quick screenshot of Larry and, or I'm sorry, Chris and you from that podcast. So we can see that blue. That's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't notice that, you know, as successful as he and Larry's company is, their agency is, their podcast is as much or more successful. And we don't mind plugging their podcast because number one, they're great friends of ours now. Um, but number two, it's a damn good podcast. It is. I, I, I shared this with you guys a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you looked at it or not, but I started Googling phrases like top trucking podcast. And of course, we hope to be there someday ourselves, but we're just getting started. Um, and I came up with like 15 or 20 lists and I would say 90% of those lists in the top 10 was Larry and Chris's blue ribbon podcast and all the other lists, you know, nobody appeared, you know, that many times. So they've got, um, what did Megan say? Like 10,000 YouTube subscribers. And that's not counting the other thousands of people that listen to their Spotify and their Apple and, and, and all of those things. It, it's a hell of a podcast. And all they is. do is they just sit there and they talk, they tell it like it is. They do. They do. They're well, you know what, buddy, you know, they, yeah. you know, it's so cool. He was talking about uh, CB radios and it made me remember way back when and how fun it was to take a road trip and actually have a CB and break one nine for a radio check, break, 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 you know, and, uh, you know, just messing with people. And I can remember being young and, and I can hear the truckers on the other end going, kids, get off this damn thing. Kids, get off of here. You don't need to be on here. We use this for work, you know. And, I, and then I used to get scared because I used to always think, man, they know who we are. They're going to follow us. They're going to do this. And I remember riding in the car with my parents and we used to do that. Woo, woo, pull your arm up and down for them to pull the horn and stuff. Man, it was great. MCB radios are amazing. Well, guess what? They don't, people don't use those CB radios like they did in no. the past. They really don't, you know, it kind of died off phone. in the late seventies, late seventies. Yeah. It kind of started well, to tail off. In fact, you know what pissed off truck drivers? My older mm -hmm. brothers had CB radios. And when a bunch of teenagers started getting CB radios in the seventies and they mm -hmm. were yakking on all the channels that started to piss off some of the truck drivers because it, there were kids just on there. It chasing, does, you but know what? 
but you know what's going to be cool, Stephen? What I want to do is I'd like to go out and uh, and start giving us a list of all the different like slangs in trucking. You know the terminology in trucking, Ooh. all the stuff we put together in HR that you know we try to tell our list. employees. Well, I want to do that with the truckers. I want to get truck. You know, like what does what does one twenty stand for? What is what is 410? What are all these codes? Oh. You know, smoky, you know, you know there are that? some who's... crazy, crazy, funny, obscene names and nicknames for things. I, I got a list from a pilot car buddy of mine who's from the trucking industry, and I'll share that with you guys. And we'll just we'll just have some fun with that on the podcast. They are so funny and clever. Some of the names they mm-hmm. come up with things you see while you're out driving a truck. But um uh, yeah, that, that should be interesting. You know, as we uh, uh, record this podcast, we're right around Good Friday. And while we're waiting on you to join us, Megan and I, and by the way, uh, uh, we're going to get you a T-shirt, Tony, because your favorite response when you're late for a meeting, you're not late that often, but you're late sometimes. We're going to put on your T-shirt. Well, I might put it on your tombstone, too. Oh, shit. I'll be there in five minutes, <laughs> right? That's what you say, isn't it? Yeah. I told Megan, no, I said, I'm, I'm we've heard it. Lot. We've heard it before. Oh, shit. I'll be there in five minutes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I tried to we're be gonna put there. you it's in a just, t-shirt. <laughs> I bounce around too much, man. I got too, uh, too many things, too many people want me in too many places. I, I go to my calendar and there's already two more meetings. Like, what do they think? You know, I don't have to go to the restroom. I mean, I, I need time. So it's all right. It That's been my life, my whole life, uh, five <laughs> minutes late. But you know what? We're just I jerking your chain. We're just and once I chain. get there, I'm good, buddy. So you don't worry about that. Oh, wind you up. But yeah, we're, it's it's about Good Friday while we're here, and Megan and I were just shooting. You know what? And you know, Good Friday. <clears throat> I'm not a great Christian man. I'm <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a practicing Christian. I got a lot of work to do. But when I think of Good Friday, you know, I think of Jesus dying on the cross and and all that good stuff. And Megan just looks back in the camera at me, and she goes, "Isn't that the day?" They all eat cakes with babies in them. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> but you know something about that, too. Is that a strong well, check family well, tradition? Actually, no, what it is. It, Eating cakes you, with babies in them. <laughs> it's called a king cake. Hold on a second. I want to see all if right, I can get right. you a, 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 looking right, for it. Right. Trying to find a definition for this thing. But and I've why? I don't sheltered know, life. It's, it's a round cake. It's round yeah. Mardi Gras time. Yeah. And it's got the center hole out of it, you know. So it looks oh, like from a big East donut Texas. that you know, yeah. yeah, but anyway, it's this big donut looking thing that ain't an actual circle, kind of oval and has a hole in the middle. But if you eat it throughout this thing, there's you're gonna find this little plastic baby. Now they do <laughs> warn you that the baby's it's in not there. edible. No, it's not edible. It is not edible. It hurts when you bite it. Uh, yeah, I think it bites back. So, no, you don't want well, that. So, honestly, I, I don't know what a king cake what is. What in the world's it got to do with Good Friday? I, I don't know. I have no idea. You know, why is a king cake? Uh, Uh-oh. Somebody's pulling up. Oh, let's Megan, see. we got to be careful when he pulls up. Uh, well, let's see. We better be king careful King cake here. explained. Let's see what it says. The All right. It says here. I see a couple. All right. I see a the couple king babies. cake tradition explained. It says American ushers in the new year with diets and lifestyles resolutions <clears> galore. <throat> but many people across the globe, particularly, and if you notice, I'm having to do this because I got bifocals on and I can't yeah. see the screen. 
particularly but those you don't have from, man boobs you don't have no, man no, boobs no. yet so no. all right uh, so particularly those from catholic countries celebrate the calendar change with a sweet pastry known as a king cake it first appears in bakery cases at the beginning of the year and found at the center of celebration throughout early spring some associate it with mardi gras see i was correct on that others celebrate it with all right Epiphany, E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y. Epiphany. 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 There you go. King That's a religious term. Okay. King cakes are eaten on January 6th in honor of that. And 12th, 9th, what is that? Which historically marks the arrival of three wise men kings. Uh, the plastic ah. baby hidden inside the cake today is nod, <clears throat> is a nod to the story. Uh, King cake also appears on the tables throughout the uh, conventional season, which ruin runs from, <laughs> I can't read this stuff, but anyway, <laughs> it, it is, it's a cool cake and I'm sure we'll show one the you, picture and what it there's looks the like. There's the baby. There's the baby. <laughs> there's the baby. There's the baby. But don't eat it. Oh, there it is. I see it on the screen now. Do um, you, do you remember, do you remember one of your, your boys' birthday parties where your other kids devilishly went out and bought a hundred of those little suckers and layered his cake with them. Uh -huh. you remember I that? do remember that they, uh, they made a cake and they put lots and lots of little babies in it. Again, I don't know what, you know, I don't know why they do this. Uh, you know, it's a good cake. It really is. I, I like it, but you gotta be cautious. Just don't eat, don't eat the baby. Those strong check family traditions and family meals. I've, God, I bet there's a story a, a day. I do. This is it's going those, back with down you guys there. It's all them Cajuns. It's them Kunasses from Louisiana. I love the food. All right. I love the food. Well, happy Good Friday. I'm going to stick with uh, I'm going to stick with my Lord and Savior Jesus and leave the baby eating cakes to, <laughs> to the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the. You folks, know, you're but, saying uh, all this, and, and now our podcast isn't going to get good views because you're talking about eating babies. This is not probably a good thing to. <laughs> I, I think your National Geographic boob story has <laughs> probably already got us off the air. Uh, let's not go back to the pickles. So My God. Let's get right, into well, trucking. Let's yeah, what are we trucking. supposed to be talking about today? Well, we're gonna again, we're going to talk about uh, that, that sad bridge hit fatality, truck parking, mm -hmm. the energy bill. But let's start off with one of your favorite topics, fuel, diesel fuel, fossil fuel, and uh, fuel charge and cost plus. And that's about all the words I know. What's going <laughs> on? What's on your mind? Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, a lot of people out there just, you know, in trucking don't understand how how fuel really works. I mean... You go down the road, you look up at a sign, and, and you say, okay, this is how much the fuel is going to cost me. And even that's confusing because you better watch it quick because if you don't watch, if it's cash or credit, that diesel price goes up and down. And so you got to watch that oh, yeah. because, you know, if you're using a credit card, they got a fee they're paying, and they got a card company they got to pay. So there's different prices. So anyway, it's complicated. It's, people have a rough time figuring out what's the stupid price at a truck stop. And then, and then you stop and ask yourself, man. Everybody keeps talking about this big savings they got. They got this retail minus deal. They got this cost plus deal. They the best of deal. What, what what does all this mean? Because you know today the number one expense for a trucking company is fuel, right? Well, mm -hmm. fuel, no matter how high it goes or how low it goes, is still a major factor in transporting that freight. So what I don't want to do is I'm going to take you back in time a little bit, okay? And back when I was young. I can remember going to the gas station and needing to get gas for a go-kart we had. 
and all we had was a dollar. Okay. And I remember getting gas all over me. I mean, all over me is down my shirt and everything is all over the bucket. And it's, I hope and, you weren't smoking a cigarette at the time. Uh, no, I, I wasn't smoking at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is I had all this stuff on me and it overflowed and I got pissed off at my brother because I'm like, why, why didn't you stop it? He says, I thought we were going to not need the whole dollar. So I put the do- <laughs> it just kept going. It wouldn't stop. I told my brother, I said, anyway, I got mad. What it was, fuel back then was 79 cents a gallon. So wait a minute. So he's waiting for it to get to the dollar, you know, because we only needed 25 cents left because we want to buy some gum. Okay. So I told him, well, we'll pump this, but only give 75 cents. That's all I want. 75 cents. He just kept going and it, it got to 75 cents, but it overflowed. It was already over a gallon of water or a gallon of gas. So anyway, um, I can remember when the price of fuel was nothing. What did you do? Everybody went around and got in their car and said, you know what we're going to do for entertainment? Because, you know, growing up, my family didn't have a lot of money and stuff. And But the one thing we always had was a car. And and no matter what the car is, including the station wire, we had this one station wire. It was so amazing. We could get in the back and, you know, we never put seatbelts on. So, hell, we were riding in the back, you know, playing games, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. Well, back then I can remember how my parents always said, we ain't got money to go out to eat. We can't go to McDonald's. But you know what we can do? Let's go take a ride. I'm going, I'm going to take a ride? Yeah, let's take a ride. <laughs> Today, Every time I think about going somewhere, I think about, do I have enough gas? How much is that going to cost me? Because where I live, it takes 15, 20 minutes to get to McDonald's. Okay. Do I really want to go to McDonald's? And I've got a big F-350 diesel truck. You know, it don't get that great MPG, you know. And so when you think about it back then, nobody cared about how much gas was. Nobody ever crap about it. It It's gas. You spilled it all over. Who cares? It's just gas. But nowadays. Dude, you go down there, I go fill my truck up and it's $300. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm like, wait a minute, 300 bucks. I can't afford to go anywhere anymore. So guess what? People just don't drive anymore unless they have to. So all the fun we had, all the trips, all the things where mom used to say, Hey, let's go jump in the station wagon. Let's go take a ride. And we would ride for hours. We would stop at a place, get some ice cream though. What was it? Uh, Tasty freeze. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. We would oh, stop yeah. at a tasty freeze, walk up, get a burger or get a hot dog, get some, and get that ice cream cone, eat it, get back in that truck, a car, and just go. And my mother loved driving. My mom loved going all over this country. She would, I can remember being, we had another car and I forgot what it was. Maybe it was, maybe it was a, a grand marquee. It was something. It had a huge window in the back. I remember we used to fight me and my little brother over who gets to lay in the window, lay in the window. Now today, if you're going down the road and you see somebody with a family of of kids and one of them's laying in the back window, (laughs) okay, messing, playing with something, you're going to call 911. You know, there's some idiots on the road. Get that guy pulled over. He's going to kill his kid. I used to have a grand marquee. Yeah, you Did can you? sleep everybody in the back. We used to, I used to drive my boys to baseball tournaments, and I was too cheap to get a hotel the first night. So we, they just lay down in the back of the Grand Marquis. There you go. There <laughs> you go. That's that's a big vehicle. So when you so when you look at 
fuel and you look at that, things have definitely changed. But the one thing you got to understand is back then, the, people started getting freaked out when fuel got to that dollar. Okay. And mm-hmm. then it got to dollar 10, then it got to a dollar 20, and then 40, and then two bucks, two dollars. Well, what happened in, in, in the world, you know, we had to make sure that us people that love to drive, we weren't getting gouged. We weren't going to get screwed when it came to buying our fuel. And so the government put together this, you know, this thing regarding the five oil companies, the five sisters. And what, what it was is it was put together with the government to monitor. The Department of Energy has had created a, a system to make sure that we, you and I, if that fuel just keeps going up, is it because the fuel needs to go up or is it because somebody's just wanting to make more money? Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it's keep from price gouging. And, and a lot of people heard about price gouging back then. Everybody was worried about it because one minute's this price, next minute's this price. And Uncle Joe's making all the money in his pocket. He's not paying that for the fuel. So they came out with a system. And this system was a way to mark, manage, and mon- monetize the information that came back from you got a rack okay imagine this if you ever look at it at a big 18 wheeler tanker you know at the top they got places where all the fuel goes in and so they pull up to this place big pipes up and it's called a rack and it's like at a refinery mm-hmm. okay or past a refinery after it's been refined yeah. so they drive up the sucker they fill it up they buy all that fuel in this big tank and then that tanker truck goes to this gas station, this gas station, this truck stop, this gas station, this truck stop, this gas station, gas station, gas station, this fleet, dump it at their location. They got a bulk facility. I go and dump it here back and forth. And hey, I got a little extra fuel left. And oh, by the way, I'm going to transport across the border from this state to that state. So I got to go on this uh, telephone in here and pay phone. And I got to type this special code in to let them know I'm moving fuel from here to here. And, you know, they try to track all this stuff. But that rack where you buy that fuel from, they don't have them on every street corner. You know, let's just say, and I don't know how many racks are out there today that are active when it comes to the diesel pricing, but I think there's over 600 of them across the whole Mm. country. So what happens is, is every time you go buy fuel somewhere, it started at a refinery getting refined. It may be another country. It may be hauled over here on big, big tank, you know, uh, what do they call those? Uh, Big boats. Huh? Oh, what is it? Big old ship. Tanker yeah, ship. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Anyway, great big, big ship, you know, that has all this fuel in it. Bring it over here. It either gets refined over here at mm-hmm. the refineries. They turn it into different type of fuel types and all this stuff. Well, this whole process, everywhere you go through that line, somebody's making a little money off of it from here to there, from here to there, here to there. Okay. So anyway, when this organization was put together to monitor this, it helped us protect us because the fleets at that time, when they would go to a shipper and get a contract for a year to haul their freight, the challenge came when that shipper says, uh, Mr. Smith, I want you to haul my freight. Uh, and Mr. Smith goes, but uh, my, my rate went up. Well, why did it go up? Well, fuel right now is is almost uh, $1.90 a gallon, and uh, we've got to cover that cost. Well, the shipper goes, well, heck, buddy, I ain't my problem. You know, you figure out cover your calls yeah but my rates got to go up because of that so after a while it got to a point where you know and and the magic number i don't know why was around a buck 20 buck 21 that the fleet started agreeing with the shipper that look 
we get when fuel is around a buck 20, buck 21. But anytime it goes beyond that, Mr. Shipper, you must reimburse me as a fuel surcharge. Okay. So imagine this. You, fuel's $2 a gallon. Okay. At $2 a gallon, if that trigger is $1.20, that leaves 80 cents a gallon. So I take a load that's 1,000 miles. Five miles to the gallon is 200 gallons, correct? So you got mm -hmm. 200 gallons of gas or diesel that you're going to burn transporting that load. At that point, if you're over $1.20 by 80 cents, you take the 200 gallons times 80 cents, and Mr. Shipper, that's your fuel surcharge. You owe me 100% of everything uh -huh. above $1.20 of fuel I burn. Okay. There is a point to this story. Now I'm following you. Okay. So when you look at that, you're like, okay, well, hey, Mr. Carrier, I don't care if that stuff goes to $5 a gallon or if that stuff is, you know, $1.29. I'm going to make a little extra money off of a fuel surcharge. And that way, I believe it is fair because the shipper and the carrier cannot control fuel. They can't control what energy bills are out there. They can't control what's going to happen with, with the, the freight rates, or maybe there's a pipeline shut down. Maybe somebody hacked into a computer system and shut down the whole East coast and you can't buy fuel. Okay. So understanding fuel surcharge has a purpose. Okay. Because you can't control fuel. Well, what's happened after that is you've got to also roll in the other factors such as what is your cost per, you know, gallon for fuel, but what also is your MPG? How much fuel are you going to burn? So that shipper and carrier gets together and they talk about this. If that shipper says, I don't care what kind of truck you haul or anything, you know, uh, but I do know that the average Joe out there is getting say seven miles to the gallon. Well, that's going to be my yeah. bench. That, that's, that's my mark is saying that you know, if you get worse than seven miles a gallon, I don't care. That's up to you. If you get better than seven miles a gallon. You remember Chris's story. Good luck. He had a guy, he had a guy that had 10, 10 or Yeah, 11. 10. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some of these guys Crazy. get really good, but that MPG affects how many gallons you're going to burn. So the better truck you got, the less fuel surcharge that shipper should get. Why? Because you, the carrier, you're the driver, you're the owner operator, whoever bought that truck. Spent big bucks to get that 10 miles of the gallon. They also keep their foot off that throttle. Okay. They don't just haul butt everywhere. They're not, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, these truckers out there that just love to go fast. They just want to get from point A to point B. They just, they, they burn rubber, you know? No, if you take care of your truck, you do all the extra cool little things to it, put wings, everything else. Guess what? You'll get better MPG, you get better MPG. You're going to burn less fuel. So, at the end of the day, should the shipper benefit off that carrier because carrier, I'm sorry, but, you know, you spent $200,000 for this truck. You got great MPG. You got all these other factors. But wait a minute. Why am I having to reimburse you this fuel surcharge right. at a rate that isn't even associated with your trucks? Now, there's another problem that comes into this. How do you know what the fuel price should be back then? How do you know what these numbers are? Well, CPC was an organization that was put together to do all this managing to make sure people didn't get gouged, right? Today, it's called OPUS, Oil Price Information Service. 
I think uh, Dow Jones, some or uh, one of the big stock guys, one of the money guys, they all own Opus now. But Opus is where this started. And the way they did it is they went to all those racks we were talking about. And they said, this rack today sold this many gallons of this type of fuel. Then they go and they find out, well, how much did they sell it for? Only had 200 tankers come through here. Okay. How much did each tanker pay for it? They take all those numbers, they throw it in a bucket, add it all up, divide the numbers up, throw the high, low outer, does some magic hoodoo voodoo to it, and out comes an average. This is what that rack's cost was average on this day, leaving this rack. Mm. All right. So think this for a second average. If I am a guy and I only have one truck stop, and only by so many gallons, I'm contributing just to a small amount. If I'm a pilot, flying J, TA, Petro, Loves, any of these big guys, do you think they're buying the same number of gallons? No, they're buying a whole lot more. They're getting at a much better price. Mm-hmm. So that average cost at a truck stop you know, is made up a bunch of different numbers. One is that lovely rack cost. What is the true cost of fuel? The next factor you got to factor into this is freight. Because here's where the rack is. Here's where the truck stop is. I've got to transport it from here to here. So somebody is going to charge you so many cents per gallon to transport that from point A to point B. Well, that rack is not an equal distance to every fuel station that it's going to deliver to. And sometimes you will go way past one rack, go 100 miles to another rack and get fuel to bring back because you get a much better deal at that other rack. Why? That's why certain towns and regions are higher or lower. You got it. You got it. And so now you got freight you got to figure out, too. So now Opus or somebody's got to go out there and figure out what truck stop or gas station what rack do they actually pull from? And then what do we think their freight's going to cost? Now, let's talk freight for a second. Freight is different. If I pay you to transport my hazardous material, which is this diesel from point A from the rack to my fuel stop, you're going to charge me a good penny to do that. Okay. Why? Because you got to have good drivers, safe drivers, and not anybody just is going to haul, you know, that many gallons of, uh, you know, explosive stuff down the road. Uh, so you got one guy, one truck doing it, and you have to pay somebody. Well, they're making good money off of you. Well, what if you have a thousand truck stops to transport it to? Well, they're going to give you a much better deal to do those deliveries, and they're probably going to split that up between all kind of regional groups to transport that and get better deals. So, of course, that bigger location, their freight cost is probably better than that guy that only has one truck stop and their freight cost. Now, the next problem with freight is, what if I've got 100 truck stops and I own my own trucking company that hauls my own fuel? So now, my freight is twice as much as everybody else's. Well, why? Because it can be. Why not? Because you got to cover my freight costs, don't you? Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. My freight costs a little higher. Why? Because the people that haul my stuff are very good. They, haul, they have better equipment, all this stuff. Oh, oh, by the way, yeah, I do own them. You know, so you got to look at that freight number. 
So is that freight number right? Is it accurate? Is it fair? So you got to dig into that. Next thing you got to look at around doing cost plus deals. And the, and the theory between behind cost plus, retail minus, and all this is the different ways to calculate how you get money. How do you get a savings? So now that you know what racks are and you know that you got to haul them, you got to get it to where you're going, and you have these costs. The next thing is taxes. Okay. The way they collect fuel tax today is on the front end. Okay. So if I go pull that tank, and that tanker truck has X number of gallons in it, and it's going to be delivered to the state of Texas locations, then when you buy that fuel at that rack, you already know how many gallons at 20 cents a gallon in Texas that that tax is covering. So they can go ahead and grab that tax. They know 20 cents. We got it. We don't have to worry about who sells it and all this other stuff. And, you know, we kind of got it on the front end. All right. So you got tax. You got state tax. You got federal tax. You have county taxes in some cases. You got city taxes in some cases. You even got taxes called a cleanup fee. Let's say there's a major accident somewhere. Big spill happens with hazardous material and all this stuff. It just gets messy. Well, somebody's got to clean it up. Now, hopefully at the end, whoever made the mess, whoever had the problem, their insurance ends up reimbursing the state or whatever to clean it. But until then, somebody's got to pay for it. Well, what they do is they say, we're going to go to that pump and we're going to add a little bitty, maybe a 0.05 of a penny to every single gallon. And we're going to leave it there until we collect enough money back to pay back this expense. So you get those kind of calculations in that fee as well in fuel. So now you add all these things up. You got what the rack charges for fuel. You got what the freight is. Now you got all these taxes. You add all that together in a bucket. And that supposedly is the truck stop's cost for that fuel. Okay. okay. Is there so a term for that? That is cost. Yeah. You've got cost plus deals. So with cost, cost plus, plus deals, I'm telling you, my cost is this number every day. And anything above that, okay, I can give you. So if I give you a cost plus six cents, that means that if my cost is $2, you're going to pay me $2.06 for every gallon of gas you buy that day for me. Now, the next question you ask yourself about cost, the cost information I just gave you, if you get it from a truck stop and the truck stop says, this is what my cost actually is. They've figured out all the magic voodoo hoodoo stuff in the background and says, this is what my cost is per gallon. Okay. Other people go, we're going to use Opus. Opus is the benchmark for groups like Love's truck stops. So Loves mm -hmm. is not saying here's my cost. What Loves is saying is we're going to use Opus, which is a benchmark system that's been out there. Used to be called CPC that helped make sure that the oil companies weren't gouging people and all this. There's, these are good guys. Their job is to keep track of all this fuel stuff and what's happening. They do a lot of analytics and these costs they come up with, they are what they feel the freight is. That's what they feel the truck stops pulling from. That truck stop may not pull from. So these are averages. These are not an actual number you can live by. And you don't get the cost from when they bought it today. It's a couple of days old before that number is actually used in trucking. And that's another way the big oil companies, you know, do their thing. But with this cost factor you look at, if Love says you're going to pay cost plus six, they're going to say go to Opus, ask Opus what the cost number is, and then add six cents to it. Now, the other way, if you don't buy a lot of fuel, 
they're not going to give you their cost plus so much. They're going to say, wait a minute, you've got 10 trucks. You're going to buy X number of gallons from my network of truck stops. I'm going to give you a retail minus deal. That means if the retail price is $3, I'm going to give you 20 cents off a gallon for every gallon you buy. But here's the hitch. To get that deal or my cost plus deal, you must buy X number of gallons through this network. If you fail to do this, either one, your rate automatically went up, you owe me a difference, or B, I'm going to come back to you and say, nay, nay, you only bought X number of gallons. You only bought 60% of what you said you were going to buy from me. You bought, so I'm not going to renew that discount at that amount. I'm going to now give you this amount. Why? Because you didn't live up as the truck driver or the fleet. You didn't buy the number of gallons you should have bought that you thought you would. Why? The economy, you know, things happen. But if you could have and you didn't, then why should you keep getting those same deals, those same discounts? So when you look at retail minus, it's taking the retail and giving you a discount off. Now they have what they call a third piece here. Best of. There are times that cost plus, let's just use 10 cents. When a cost plus 10 is not as good as a retail minus 10. Okay. So depending on what the truck stops cost is, depending on what they're selling it for, what's in between is what they call a spread. So if I pay a buck for it, I sell it for a dollar 20. I have a 20 cent spread. Now, if you're using averages of the market, averages at a rack, then you're thinking it's the average truck stop. It's the average fuel stop. Not a big company, not a big Flying J pilot, and not just an independent. It's average, okay? So the first thing you can factor in is when you look at cost plus, because it's based on averages and numbers, it's not true. So with not the true information, not the accurate based on you and that person, cost deals can fluctuate. And if you don't watch the the stock market and, you know, everything else in the NYMEX, you will never know whether or not that cost plus retail amount, whatever that deal's good or not for you. So how do you do this? You got to track it. You've got to go out and look at what everybody else is doing because that spread can be as little as six cents. That spread right now can be as great as a dollar per gallon. That means there are locations that are making a dollar per gallon off of you today. Not all of them, not all of them. The ones that are, you know why they're making a dollar off of you? Because they're spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars hedging. They buy fuel months before they go grab it and pull it. Uh. They fund the whole fuel market. So when Flying J, Pilot, TA, Petro loves, when these guys are out there and you go, Man, I heard that they're making this big of a spread. They're making all this money off of me. Yeah, but you know why? Because they have this huge freaking expense over here that nobody realizes that they're having to do to get those big deals. The key is how much of that are they passing on to the fleet? How much are they passing on to the driver? So wisdom, go ask. I don't care if you've got one truck. Call Loves. Pick up the phone, call them. Heck, Loves will give 10 cents off a gallon for you and me on our gas cars, okay? 
You want to save money? You go look. Love's got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of stops out there all over the country. They're everywhere. And I guarantee you they're going to kick buck and keep, keep growing. Find out. You travel at all. You travel an RV, anything. Call Love's. Say, hey, I'm not a trucker, but can I get a discount on your fuel card? They go, well, how many gallons do you think you're going to use? Okay. What do you think you're going to do here? And you can get a good discount. It's happening. Why? Because there is a lot of money in fuel. There is. And it's going to go up and yeah. down, but you've got to track this stuff. You know, Tony, as I've been listening to you, <clears throat> if you want to take a drink here real quick, yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the, the energy bill in, in, in D.C. here in a second. But what I'm struck by is we live in a society today of short sound bites. We have short attention spans. I did stay awake, by the way, for good, your good, entire good. fuel story. Um, I'm betting Sunday afternoons at the Strawncheck house growing up for your kids, listening to daddy talk about fuel price theory on the front porch. I bet that was exhilarating for the kids, <laughs> but uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, No, what I'm struck by is in D.C., we hear the politicians and pundits talking little short sound bites and not to get political, but the popular thing nowadays by the party in charge is to say, oh, those oil companies, oh, those truck stops, they're gouging, they're gouging mm -hmm. you, you, you citizens. Why don't we? It's too bad we can't take the time to hear the story behind the story that you just told. Yep. Here's why. Here's why they're making a profit sometimes. Because they put their butt on the line six months ago or a year ago. Um, but we don't, we don't operate in that world nowadays. It's just these short little cutesy uh, zings and arrows that the politicians throw. But no, actually, that was, all kidding aside, that was fascinating to hear the whole chain and why prices are what they are and why uh, one truck stops charging this and another one's charging that. But what, what's the whole, just to wrap this up, Tony, what's the, what's the big lesson for the trucking community out there listening to, well, to your The your lesson is, is continue to look into this and learn because there <clears throat> is one more factor to this equation, and that is what is the IFTA refundable tax, okay? So I've got to continue my story just a little longer because what does matter today, if you're if you're over 26,000 pounds, uh, three or more axles, uh, you know, there's a regulation that says that you're a commercial vehicle. You're going to be traveling state to state. You're going to have to have IFTA. you got to have this. Why? Because, Stephen, another problem is you got a truck that has 150-gallon tank on the left, 150-gallon tank on the right. That's mm -hmm. 300 gallons. You told me a second ago that that one driver is getting 10 miles to the gallon. That's mm -hmm. 3,000 miles. That guy can drive 3,000 without getting fuel. So how far is it from Florida to California? Could you I'm do it in 3,000 miles? Three to 5,000 miles. All right. Well, you can do it. You, you can get across there in several thousand miles. But guess what? Do you think all those states in between, won't you just to buy that fuel in Florida, get to California, <laughs> buy fuel in California, come back? Uh-uh. Yeah. They need somehow to collect it on the way. So when you look at this, the first thing you do is you have to understand if it says that you pay fuel tax on every gallon of fuel, you do what you burn. They don't care about the bind. Sure. That's when the collection of tax happens is when, when you're at the pump or at the end of the quarter. But the problem is if you were able to take that tax right away, pull it away. Okay. Let's just give you an example. State A has a tax rate of 20 cents. 
You know, let's say Texas. Let's say California has tax rates of almost a buck, less than a buck, but it's right at almost a buck. So just for easy math, 20 cents to a dollar, that's 80 cents difference. Right now, it's $6 a gallon in California. Right now, it's $4 in Texas. You do the math, you take away the tax rate. And when you do, what's left is really what the true cost of fuel is. Now, that example there was kind of bad because, you know, that price I gave you, you know, heck, it still probably is okay. Buy your fuel in Texas. It makes sense. But when you have a state on one side that's 10 cents, state on the other side it's not, and you look at fuel costs, if you don't take the state, know what the state tax rate is and take that away, you don't know what that fuel is really mm-hmm. going to be. Because guess what? Are you going to buy just the number of gallons to cover the miles you did in that state? Then you're golden. Just buy that number of gallons. But yeah. what if that fuel is cheaper? Buy the extra because guess what? Texas will give you that extra tax back. California, almost a buck, will give you all that back at the end of the quarter. So the most important part when people buy is get your discounts. Number two, take that state tax rate away when you look at where to decide to buy fuel. And when you do that, don't worry about who you're going to owe money, who you're not. You know, a lot of people say, I just don't want to pay a $2,000 if the bill at the end of the quarter. You would rather spend that 2000 during the quarter and not get it back and maybe buy more fuel in places that are a lot more expensive. So if you want to optimize and fuel is your number of expense, look at your cost deals, look at your retail minus deals, look at your network, and don't just look at your network today and sign it and never look back. You need to go and look at this on a regular basis and make sure they're giving you discounts. Make sure you're getting what you need and make sure the Joneses, what they got going on. You know, everybody has a deal card Well, everybody has discounts. All you got to go is work it. And then after you get those discounts, then teach your drivers about tax, X tax pricing and how it works. Our fuel finder product, the cool thing about what we do with FedEx is we showed FedEx ground. Here's all of your terminal fuel. And where you where where you get good fuel deals out to all their fleets and, and the owner operators and small TSPs that haul form everything, they can go to any of their bulk facilities, any of their terminals and pull fuel. FedEx went out and got huge deals for that fuel that goes there. And they're telling you as a, a fleet that's doing this, buy here from us. I'll give it to you at my cost. We're not making any money. And sometimes it's 30 yeah. or 40 cents a gallon less. Okay. But somehow these drivers just, well, where are they? Which ones have it? Who has the better price? But they'll stop at a truck stop and spend 60 cents more a gallon at that truck stop for fuel and gripe that they're not making a big enough profit. So mm-hmm. it's knowledge. It's knowing where the truck stops are at, knowing all these deals, putting all this information together, and then giving a simple tool like Fuel Finder to your drivers that says, here's where you should buy. And then you do fuel purchase optimization. And ProMiles Online does that. How many gallons to buy and where to buy it at what location? Save another 30 or 40 cents off a gallon that. So there are ways to save off of fuel where it's at today. But Stephen, you know, what's up with this whole energy bill that's going on? Can you tell me what what you've learned about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Congress, ever so many years, kind of like they do with the five-year trucking plan, they'll take up uh, the topic of uh, energy and energy. as you might imagine, with the split in Congress in Washington, D.C., um, the two sides have kind of taken up. And the Republicans here just recently passed a major um, proposed overhaul of the energy sector. And basically, just to simplify, Tony, 
what they're doing and requesting of this bill. And by the way, Biden's already said he, he's going to veto it if that bill ever got to him, which it won't because the Senate's going to do their own thing and then they're going to have to compromise. But the Republican bill basically uh, wants to take back some of the executive orders and the powers that President Biden has taken. And you've heard the complaints from the oil industry where they're crying foul, saying that um, he's making it tougher to get a permit to drill oil and, you know, those types of things. So basically, the Republican bill would kind of give a boost back to fracking, you know, the traditional fossil fuel uh, mm -hmm. industry, uh, promote fracking again, make it easier for the oil companies to pump oil. By the way, with all the complaints you do hear about this administration, and I try to be impartial, did you know that the United States, even today, two years into the Biden in this industry, is still by far the leading oil producing country in the world, mm. the United mm -hmm. States? Uh, so when you were talking about shipping oil in earlier, yeah, we still do that, of course, but we're, we're, we're the biggest producer. Um, but yeah, um, they passed the bill. Only four Democrats voted for it in the Senate, which is controlled by the Democrats. They, of course, are going to come back with their energy bill, which is going to, you know, be more promoting of the clean um, mm -hmm. energy industry, promoting wind, uh, the climate change, um, the electricity, that type of thing. So when it's all said and done, it'll be interesting if the House and Senate even do compromise uh, on an energy bill or whether we just kind of like we do with the deficit every year and the budget just kind of punt it down the road. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting um, and also scary? You know, I got a phone call from my nephew back a couple of months ago, and he says, Uncle Tony, he said, man, things are tough. Um, you know, I just got my electric bill slash gas bill in, and, and I don't know why, but it was over $400, he says. And I, I've never paid that much in the wintertime. And we looked into it thinking, well, man, I don't know, because up here where I live in Colorado, our electricity isn't that bad because we are ran, I think it's like 75, 80% by solar is what's powering all this stuff. So, I mean, it's not like when I live in Texas, you know, a hot summer month, you'll spend $400, $500 on an electric bill because it's hot and you're running your AC, right? Well, up here, it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's to keep you warm in the wintertime. Well, if you have a, you know, natural gas running to your home right now, that cost jumped you know, hundreds, you know, of dollars a month. I mean, I don't know how many times it multiplied, but it's like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> and then I turned around and my daughter calls me up and says, dad, you know how I was leaking water with the water system? I must be leaking gas because mm. my bill's over 400 something bucks. I went, oh no, I thought Hunter's was because he didn't take, you know, his air conditioner out of the window, you know, and it's not sealed good. And, you know, mm -hmm. and it, maybe it's just not being efficient, but oh my gosh, what's wrong with yours now? And we dug into it. It was the cost for natural gas. It just skyrocketed over this last yeah. winter. And so imagine there's this, a lot Stephen. of finger pointing. Well, imagine this, Stephen, you were normally paying $40 a month for gas. Okay. Now you're spending $300 a month for gas. And a family barely can survive as it is, and you go from you know a three hundred dollar increase on your bill every month. It's cold. So far this whole winter, you know, add up all the months and what it cost them. Now, I'm thinking I'm freaking out for them 
man, natural gas, you guys are in trouble. Maybe we ought to put a propane tank out there like we have up here in my house and Tori's next door. I said, we'll just haul propane over there. Well, guess what? <laughs> Got my propane bill. 400 and something gallons of propane was over $1,300. Tony, what's I used causing that in these two increases? Months. What's causing these increases? Well, you know, the Republicans blame the Democrats. The Democrats blame the Republicans. What's causing it? Uh, it's it, uh, I think part of it is stupidity. And let me tell you why. We are pulling. Now, let's go back to somebody that has natural gas coming to their house. Okay. Imagine this. The gas is being pulled out of the ground. It is being piped down. You're getting it to your house. You're now burning it. Okay. So you're going, you know, yeah, half a mile, two miles, whatever it may be, five miles to get that gas to where you're at. You're not traveling far. You don't have to pay a trucker. You don't have to worry about the trucker's fuel costs going up. You ain't got all these other crap. Why should their fuel fluctuate like this? Why should their fuel cost? They're fracking everything else. They're not fracking up here right now. They're not doing all this. It's already done. Their cost is already in bed finished. Why should it go up? It's because they look at the world. The regulations allow these fuel companies to regulate their price. Remember, go back to the whole thing of we don't want to get screwed. We don't want to get gouged. We want to make sure we're getting a fair price. Let them make a fair profit. But this should be fair, right? Why hmm. should somebody in the state of Colorado that lives here locally care there's a war in Ukraine? There is problems with countries getting natural gas. And so all their rates are going crazy out there, right? Why should it make my rates go up too? But that's how it works because it allows yeah. them to go up on their rate because over there, they're having a tough time. They're dying. They're having all these problems, but what we can increase my rate. Does it cost go up? No. My only question is, is where's all that extra money going? Yeah. Where's that extra money going? So I don't really know, Stephen, all the whole ins and outs and, and how all those things work. I know enough to be dangerous because the first thing I did, I called the company. Look, I got kids. They're starving to death and you're trying to charge them $300 a piece a month at four kids at $300 a month. That's $1,200 a month that I'm going to have to help them with. If I got to help, how can I do this? How can anybody live and eat, pay your family, pay your bills and survive if you're spending $500 a month heating your house, you oh, have to yeah. heat it. You're not going to freeze. It, it's free. Now, there are groups up here, just so everybody knows, there are groups you can go to that will help subsidize part of that. You know, you only make so much money. You only get so much. They'll actually give it back. But it's a month-by-month -month thing. You better apply for it now. There are grants and things out there to try to help people. The mid-class, you ain't getting nothing. You make too much money. Uh, I'm sorry, but that's yeah. part of these energy bills that I do believe in. We've got to make sure we change things. If we're being regulated because of some other country or some other place across this country or even another county, another city, another state, it doesn't matter. We're buying natural gas from ourselves. We're pulling it from ourselves. We're, we're creating, you know, more expense for people that are barely surviving. And so that's where fuel cost. We do need them down. But you know what I don't want? I don't want our cost to do like it is doing in other countries when it's $10 and $25 a gallon, $30 a gallon. It's out there like that. So we don't have Kinda it like that bad. Kind of like the other country yet. of 
Kind of like the other country of California. Yeah. <laughs> could Man, be, could be, could be. Their buddy. gas costs are crazy. Hey, um, uh, before we get to the, um, uh, we want to show some love to the oversized, overweight, specialized transportation world. We're going to talk about that very sad bridge hit, but uh, um, Megan's probably going to turn this into two podcasts by now. But do we have a, do we have time for a, a quick fuel story? Um, you, you, when you were talking earlier about your brother spilling all that gas mm-hmm. on you, it reminded me of a, a really, uh, I'm laughing, but it's not funny, a really crazy, horrific story from my childhood. Do I got time real quick? Sure. Go for it. Okay. Sure. So I grew up in this little town and they didn't have a lot of tourism, but for one year period, and my older brother was hired to, to help work it. They had this cage outside of this big hunting store, uh, ammunition and hunting store. And believe it or not, they had a live bear in that cage. Uh, and it, it went on for like two or three months. And my brother and others had the job of kind of standing by that cage. And as tourists would come by and walk up, um, you know, they'd talk to the bear and look at the bear. And, and uh, the, it was one of those bears where back in those days, Tony, it didn't even have a mask on. You know, he could have reached through that cage and bit him. Oh, my gosh. Well, people started bringing like sodas and stuff. And, and, and the owners didn't like it at first of the store, but then it kind of turned into a big tourism thing. And they started letting the, the bears drink from their soda can. Mm-hmm. And so people would put soda in there and everybody thought that was cool. And of course, the bear just, just loved it. And, uh, but one, one day, unbelievably sad, somebody, and I was happened to be there at the time, unfortunately, my brother wasn't there, but another guy was that I knew somebody, a real asshole, pardon my language, slipped in, in a soda can, uh, uh fuel, gasoline oh my gosh. fuel. You know, there's always idiots like that, mm-hmm. there, right? And this damn bear before anybody knew it started lapping up all of this gasoline. Oh my gosh. And everybody was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Well, about two minutes later, this bear. I swear he started going crazy and he moved the bars just enough. And the next thing we know, he pops out and he freaking starts running into town. <laughs> this bear galloping after oh drinking God. all of this gasoline. He probably needed something to drink to wash it down. And I, I, I swear I'm running down the street, um, no more than 10 feet in front of the bear and, and this bear within uh, about two minutes of, of his running gets within about a hundred feet of this big group of people standing out in front of the, the general store. And then all of a sudden, Tony, without any explicable notice, the bear just boom, keeled over. Oh shit. He ran out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a gun. <laughs> Did he? That was my punchline. Was it really? Megan. Oh shit. Megan, I try foul. That hey, was my freaking punchline. That was that was good. That was good. I, I you know, I was trying to be a smart ass about the running out of gas, but uh, I, I thought she was gonna tell you me he should have had it unleaded oh, than regular. Hey, hey Steven. Steven, let That's me tell you terrible. let me tell you a true story. Okay. And I'll, and I'll make right. this short too. Well, that was true, but I had go ahead. A, a, a good a good guy out there that I know, his his name is Chris. Uh, I, I love the man. I love him till the day I die. But Chris and yeah. I 
we're taking a trip and we're going to Opus. And Opus wanted me to come and present how to run fuel optimization. You know, why is it important to optimize your purchases? Okay. All and right. know where to buy and how many buys you got. Because, you, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is get stuck somewhere without fuel. Okay. So you just got to make sure you watch this stuff. But if you could save money and just and you get that fuel down to, you know, 20 gallons, 30 gallons, are you going to sure. take that risk to get to that next spot? Well, anyway, so I go, we, we hauled butt, buddy. We went nonstop from Texas, hauling the booth and everything down to, to Florida. Well, we get there to this convention and we do this whole presentation. It went great. You know, drivers like, man, we understand it. We want to start optimizing our purchases and all this. It was good. So me and Chris, we didn't get any sleep for two days, man. We were tired laughing. We were, we were that tired where all you did was giggle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. we're sitting there packing the stuff up. I just want to get home. I'm tired. I want to get home. You know, we've been away for four days, I, you know, dude, and I've drank too much, you know, too many nights. Going I was going to say, you probably show. had a few artificial stimulants. Well, we did I, after the trade yeah. shows, everybody yeah. goes out and drinks yeah. and all that stuff. Then you got to get up early. But anyway, so we do all this <laughs> on the way back. We, we were in Florida. And we had my, my, my truck at the time was a, it was like a 1500, uh, Chevrolet. Uh, we had a trailer behind a U-Haul that we had it full of stuff on the back, you know, had it all packed up. I mean, this thing was pretty heavy down with stuff and I'm driving down the road and I'm going and Chris looks down and says, Hey, that next uh, exit right there, there's a truck stop. Why don't we go ahead and pull over and get fuel? I looked at it. I looked back at him and said, man, nah, we'll wait till the next one. He said, I don't think we'll have enough gas. Well, me and my smart ass, I, you know, my truck has this little thing that tells you how many gallons that you had and how many miles you have left, right? Well, Chris didn't know Fancy I'm looking back at this. Then. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get Chris. Chris, I bet <laughs> you I don't need to stop there. When's the next one? He said, dude, it's 40 miles down the road. I said, well, buddy, I said, I, I think we can make a duty. We're not going to make it. Uh, and I'm looking this at it. Like a, this sounds like Kramer Cosmo in a Seinfeld episode. Could be. But, man, when I looked at that thing, I knew I had enough. Well, I failed to see something. I'm hauling a lot of fuel, right? I mean, a lot of weight in the back of the truck and the trailer. So the rear of my trailer and my truck is pulled down. So even though that sucker said I had, you know, 30 miles left to get, I didn't. I had about a half a mile. <laughs> so we passed the exit <laughs> up. We're going down this road and about a mile down the road or so half a mile past it, it goes because when I went to pass that exit, I said, Chris, I said, no, we're going to go ahead and pull over. You're right. We need to pull it. He says, you don't have no balls. Said, what do you mean? I have no balls. And I looked, I'm like, I can make it It'd be close, but I can make it. Well, uh, not only did I not have the balls, but I, I didn't make it. Then I had to turn around and, um, uh, call a tow truck, not to come tow me, but to bring me five gallons of gas. Do you know how much money they charge to bring you five gallons of gas? Mm. Okay. So I got home, me and him swore we would never tell a soul that I, uh, my <laughs> optimization method didn't work and we ran out of gas. <laughs> well, I got busted. My sister, I turned in all my receipts and of course I turned in the damn towing receipt. And she wants to know why is it that it cost you almost $12 per gallon for five gallons of gas? <laughs> and so anyway, the optimization failed. I didn't do didn't, it. Didn't and, work that time. But I, but it might have had something Chris. to do with cost plus. You know, it could have been. Know. Or the retail miners are the best of.
Okay, so we we covered pickles, we covered man boobs, we covered National Geographic boobs, and now what were we just talking about? But anyway, so just to show a little love to the oversized, overweight uh, world, which I guess I am getting back to the man boobs, but uh, you remember, Tony, we talked a few podcasts ago about um, an Ohio bridge hit. It's about a year or two Mm -hmm. now uh, where the driver lost his load, running without a pilot, running without a permit, middle of the night, his load comes off and tragically, tragically kills, kills a woman. And he was charged with manslaughter. We're still waiting to find out uh, if he ends up getting convicted. A truck driver, truck driver drive charged with manslaughter murder because he uh, didn't check his permit and didn't get a permit. So in Alaska, a week or two ago, uh, a driver uh, with an oversized load, actually it shouldn't have been oversized, but um, that's, that's a whole other story. And the story here is he was operating on an annual permit. And you, of course, know what an annual permit most of our listeners do. But in the oversized world, up to certain dimensions and certain weight, you can save some money if you're going to make multiple moves and buy an annual oversized overweight permit. And as long as you're running within those dimensions and within those weights and spacings, and as long as you're running on the roads that that annual permit permits you to run on, you're good to go. Hey, Steven, He's on an annual permit. Got, hey, Stephen, mm-hmm. I got a question about annual permits. So yep. on an annual permit, you basically go in and say, you know, do you have to tell them I'm going to do this a hundred times or do you, you know, do they charge for each trip, you know, or is it just one fee and you can haul that size load one time or a million times? They don't care. Yeah. I'm hearing there's occasional exceptions popping up now, but 99.9% of the time you, you buy an annual oversized overweight permit in a specific state you can run one time. You can run a million times. What if something changes? What if they add asphalt to the road and period. it's two inches higher now and something changes, you know, during that year? I mean, it's that's not good, is it? <laughs> well, that's why some states are at least starting to think about either strongly urging, as is the case in Illinois, or a few states are even starting to consider requiring an annual permittee would still have to go on the state's permitting website every day that they plan on making a move and checking their route just like they would check it if they were going to buy a single trip permit in Illinois at one time, but they backed off. I'm sure they got some pushback uh, from their elected officials and and, in the trucking industry. And I can, I, I can see both sides of the story, but they were going to require that when you went on each day with an annual permit, like you said, they get a trip authorization number. And if that truck driver gets stopped that day on his annual permit, if he don't have that trip authorization number, <clears throat> they're going to treat him as if he has no permit, even though he's mm-hmm. got his annual permit, but they backed off. But <clears throat> excuse me, you're exactly right. Um, the whole idea behind an annual permit is... <clears throat> The truck driver, the company needs to check their route every day because you mentioned asphalt overpayment. You know, that happens over time. But from one day to the next, a construction zone pops up mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you only got 10 feet uh, yep. to go through that construction zone. And, 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 and that actually is one of the biggest complaints about annual permits with the state DOTs is 
This happened in Illinois frequently. They get hung up in construction zones all the time. And it's a big deal, Tony, as you might imagine. It's costly to that contractor to have to move Jersey barriers. It's costly to state police to come out and back that driver up <laughs> to the, you know, the, the next interchange ramp. And, you know, you're slowing up all the other people hey, uh, hey, Steven, as well. You just, you finally, mm -hmm. you finally have solved a, a mystery I've had my, my whole life down South really? going across interstate 10. And it's like we're driving and all of a sudden you hit a construction zone and you're waiting for two hours to get through it. You finally get through it and you're talking <laughs> to these people at a restaurant and they go, all it was was one truck. Why? Because he was too big. And I'm thinking, oh, you think yeah. they're smart enough to get around this, but it was construction. And I guess if that guy yeah. was in an annual permit, I bet he just didn't look. He didn't go check it. He just said, I yeah. do this all the time every couple of months and you know nothing's different. It should be the same. But man, that, now that in defense, different. in defense of the trucking industry, there also are times and were times where the restrictions that popped up failed. The right hand didn't tell the left hand within the DOT. In other words, uh, the district office didn't tell the permit office or the permit office didn't get the information the way they were supposed to. And then Mr. Truck driver did go on the system that morning. There was no restriction on the permitting map, and, and then he got hung up. So it works both ways. But, but sadly, the story in Alaska was this guy was operating on an annual permit. He ended up going under a bridge that um, he shouldn't have been going under because um, um, it, it just wasn't part of the annual permit route. A lot of annual permits mm -hmm. in states have specific roads that you just literally cannot be on, and he was on that road, unfortunately. And just like in Ohio, um, struck an overpass as his, uh, uh, a passenger vehicle coming up from behind, uh, slams into it and the person was, uh, you know, tragically killed. So, uh -huh. you know, all of those are allegations. We're not going to mention the company name or anything like that. Um, but, um, it, it really opens up that can of worms about annual permits. And I've talked to you before, Tony, about how it's tragedies that cause for better, for worse state governments to react. Yeah. Um, and this is the type of thing trucking industry that if these kinds of things happen with any kind of frequency, um, we're possibly going to see someday, um, states crack down on these annual permits and either take them away, which I don't think they'll do that, uh, or start requiring trucking companies to do what they should be doing. And most do most do Tony. They do their due diligence and check the state, the state well, map. Well, Stephen, let me but, let uh, me let me ask you this. So, <clears throat> if I go back to when we really got heavy and oversized, overweight, back around you know two thousand to two thousand three time frame, at that yeah. time, most of your oversized, overweight permits you had to apply for had to be looked at, touched by a human being. They weren't automated. Mm -hmm. There was no system to say, yep, you can just take that route. Here's here, here you, where you go, like we're doing mm -hmm. today. Because a lot of the states we right. do, you know, we're getting, you know, 80, 90% self-issue, which means nobody touches it. So right. the reason annual permits came because it was taking too long to permit this size dimensional weight, this load. Oh. And so they said, we're going to do the annual permit so that you don't have to wait because, hey, you know, there's a lot more loads can be moved, a lot more things can be pushed. So annual permits were needed back then more than they I were now. I see where you're going. 
Today, yeah. I could see jurisdictions going, well, wait a minute. If you can get that with three clicks of a button in less than five minutes, uh, I'm going to make you go look. So what I'm going to tell the industry to stop and think, the DOTs are going to open their eyes and they're going to call us and go, hey, you know, we're going to take from this bye many bye permits permit. to this permits yeah. because yeah. we're making it that so so damn easy that honestly the safety's more important and we're going to make everybody go through a permit by permit every day and why because if systems can do it better than what the drivers are doing it on the road and keep them from hitting something because it knows that 501 cuz yeah. when we do route Stephen, those permitted loads for those states that we do part of that is the 511 part of that is every day we've got a team of folks that they take these construction information and they implement it into these systems for the DOTs, for all these states we do, for mm-hmm. all those 50 some percent mm-hmm. of permits we issue for the whole country, we're having to touch right. those 511s because, so if you think about it, the way we're doing this and most of them are hands-free, would make more sense to do away with the annual permits and go make everybody get a permit because then we would be sure that all those loads were hitting that system, validating. Because even in Texas today, if you go in to our restriction manager, Texas has, and they mark a road segment. They said, we have to repair, we have to do here, something happened, and they mark it. As soon as they do that in our restriction manager, it hits the permitting routing system. The permitting routing system goes, hey, there's four loads out there that haven't been really that far gone yet, and they're on this route. We need to reissue a permit. So we're doing that, you know. I don't see why annual permits now, granted, if an annual permit, because you're only going to be, you know, 2000 pounds more, you know, yeah, some of those do make a lot of sense because that weight difference is going to make a difference. But because the regulation said at 80,000 pounds, it's fair for that state to get that other 2000 and why make the process be so difficult and hard to get that load from point A to point B when in reality, it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. So, Again, go back to annual. It kind of makes sense. So I don't know, mm-hmm. Stephen. It's it's for safety. I see more of it needed because the more I see of these hits, they're annual permits, and that's scary. Yeah, because something needs to change there. So I see exactly where you're going with that, and I won't repeat it, but I will reemphasize your logic is spot on. The automation permit logistically should 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 make the annual permit irrelevant. However, there's local politics involved. And that's why I thought Illinois was on track to kind of split the baby in the cake uh, down <laughs> the middle, by the way. And, and, and that is <clears throat> the reason I said local politics, Tony. One of the ideas behind annual permits, uh, besides what you said, it took so darn long to get a single trip permit, is states like to reward their own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most in-state trucking companies are going to run more frequently, right? Uh, within a certain dimension, certain type right. of truck. And so the state legislatures, it's an easy bill for them to pass saying, Hey, we're going to sell this annual permit. And if you run so many times, you're going to save this much money. Mm-hmm. Well, the out-of-state trucking companies aren't going to run enough to make it worth their while. So it's a nice way for in-state politicians to, uh, reward their, their in-state uh, trucking companies. But to your point, uh, and kind of combining both, both your logic and my logic where Illinois was going. And I think some States are going to go with incidents like this occurring is we'll sell you your annual permit if you want, 
and if you run so many times, you decide it's going to save you money to get an annual permit rather than the more expensive single trip. But as a condition of that annual permit, you must still get a single permit in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. And that is you must log into that ProMiles automated permitting system, run your route, get an okay from the state automated system, get a special trip authorization number. And like I said before, Mm -hmm. if you're stopped by Mr. State Trooper and you show them that annual permit, you're in trouble. You're, 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 you're operating without a permit because you don't have your trip Mm -hmm. authorization that you, you got that morning. So that's kind of, I think the uh, compromise that that and Steven, I think think you're dead on. I think that is the answer. Because it combines both things. Take advantage of the automation. Exactly. Take advantage and give value back to those folks who are going to do it a lot. Those guys are. Give them those angels. Give them the – maybe give them a different rate on their permit because you do so many of them. You know, we have to – as a permit service, you have to give discounts to fleets when they do a bunch. Maybe states should give discounts to the carriers when they do a bunch. And maybe this is a way to do it. And I know red tape is is a big thing. And I know a lot of states are looking at other ways to get revenue. And one of the ways is, is we'll issue another type of permit. Maybe when they haul gravel, maybe when they haul, you know, electricity, yeah. when they haul whatever. It's There's things that I believe that the, you know, you can't keep things the same. Just like fuel tax. Eventually, you know, there will be mile taxes everywhere. Just like, heck, now Texas is talking about uh, they're doing a pilot now. So not only that 20 cents a gallon in Texas, where I was referencing almost a buck in California, well, Texas is going to now charge you per mile. California don't charge you per mile right now. So is that going to mean Texas is going to be more expensive than California next? Dude, there's no telling. You better keep watching, keep listening, and we'll keep bringing you all this kind of information what's happening because it's a mess. There's a lot of mileage tax deniers out there, and you and I have talked to a few uh, in recent weeks, but uh, I think you and I – are more realistic whether we like it or not and a lot of us don't like it it's a coming it's, it's coming. a coming and that's really <laughs> going to stink because now you're not just doing it based on your mpg and and your you, you have no control you can't change the distance okay you can yeah. make your mpg better you can get better you know price per gallon you know by deals mm-hmm. and everything but this no when you travel if they're going to charge you x number of cents for every mile you run you report those miles and they're going to say, hey, here's my fuel tax I'm getting. And here's a mile tax, just like Kentucky's done for years. Oregon is done. Uh, uh, not Oregon, because Oregon does only the mile tax. They don't actually charge at the pump. But you got New York, you got New Mexico, and then you got Idaho for the oversize. Anything over 80,000, you got speaking a mile of, tax in Idaho and Connecticut. Now. Speaking of that, speaking of that, Tony, I got a question for Rick and Carmen next time we talk to him. But I'll pose mm-hmm. it to you, too, because you probably know the answer. I've been talking a lot about this mileage tax on on my LinkedIn social media and just in, in the groups and meetings and even demos that I do. Here's the question that's coming up now. <clears throat> I think it's an easy one for you guys to answer, but I don't know the answer. Well, and I know you I, I know it's a little bit crystal ball, but when the mileage tax finally comes in full force someday mm-hmm. in individual states or nationwide. Will a trucking company for a time period end up having to pay both they fuel do it today. tax, if the fuel they, tax and they, mileage tax? They do it today. Connecticut, the first of this year, implemented a mile tax. They never had one before. So now you have your fuel tax. You have That's, to deal with, you know, and now you're doing a mile tax. Texas, okay. if they pass this, 
That means Texas, 20 cents a gallon okay. and per mile. You're not getting the dish. Now, some of these things are talking about, oh, but we'll rebate you back your fuel tax. We'll give you incentive okay. to go the mile tax go. mile version versus there going the go. fuel. There's a catch-22. Just right. like right now, if you have an electric vehicle, you are not taxed at all for that electric. You're not charged a per mile rate. They're not paying a fuel tax. They're not compensating to the fund, right? Today. Yeah. But tomorrow, so, those guys will be paying a mile tax. That's the reason so I, that they're trying to do a mile yeah. tax. So this is very heated issue and mm -hmm. will get even worse. I'm not pro or con, pro miles. We're gonna we're gonna do our business either way, yep. right? Uh, because the governments um uh depend on us for software and, and so do a lot of uh carriers. But what's rubbing salt in truckers' minds about this whole issue is what I just asked you about. And they feel like it's one thing to, you know, throw another, a mile, another tax at them. But they feel like without even understanding that rebate thing you talked about, by God, if I got to pay my diesel fuel tax and my mileage tax, that's it. They, 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 they see red at that point. And they should, um, and, 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 that's and they just will. Too much for them. They will. Yeah. The reason is because they're not going to be able to survive. <laughs> Imagine the fleets today barely getting by. Now, if I'm going to charge you more than what you're currently paying, because I need it, I'm the government. I got to have the money. Why? We got to repair mm -hmm. these roads. I guarantee oh, you, yeah. there's thousands of bridges in this country that you should not drive across, and people do it every day. Yeah. But we have to yeah. pay for it, right? Well, right now, the IFTA money and the fuel tax that is collected is not contributing to that fund. What are they right. doing? They're almost, a, I think it's $3 billion in debt or something or $300 billion. It's a huge number that in debt that it already owes back to the, to the big fund. Why? Because we're not getting the money and, and just part of that. Well, that's true. The emissions are getting better and all. But a lot of the trucking industry I talk about will also, rightly so, in some degrees, point at some states uh, that rob from the what's supposed to be the fuel fund, the the transportation fund, and they use the, they use those fuel taxes um, within their state government to pay for other things. What I understand, but, Stephen, is the other way around. It's they don't know have enough of the fuel tax. But they have to keep repairing these roads to do things they're doing. How are they doing it? They're going to the national fund and they're actually pulling it from that, the general fund. They're saying that oh. we don't have enough. So they knew this 20 years ago, Stephen. 20 years ago, we said we're running out of money. We can't keep doing this. We got to fix it. You know what they did 20 years ago? Looked around and said, what do we do? What did they do about 10 years ago? They started building these organizations, giving them millions of dollars to go figure yeah. out how do we get more money to fix these roads. And right now, no, I'm agreeing with you. I, I'm agreeing with you, Tony, that in totality, the funding available through fuel tax is dwindling. And that is the primary reason we're going to the, the mileage tax someday. But I got to correct you. There are and, and have been instances of some state governments that have, in some people's mind, stolen from what's traditionally the road fund. Really? To pay for for other services, it does happen. Well, and, and that's, unfortunately, that's, that's, that's what that's that why I don't like being yeah. in the middle of those things, Stephen. Because you don't know what's <laughs> happening, we don't know what's happening, and you know that we just do what we're told. Well, that's what's hard. Whatever can, the governments tell us to you do. You know, yeah. I'm a trucker. I'm trying to drive a truck. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to get home to see Mama. I want to be back before my my daughter's birthday. I got all this on me already. The last thing I need yeah. to worry about is 
who's stealing money out of what fund to do whatever other fund. But what I do know, it is going to hurt to add a mile tax everywhere. Not only because now there's an additional tax, it's the administration of that tax. Remember, before IFTA, you had to go get a decal for all the different states. You had to pay the state, wait you know, a year to get your money back from this state. It was a mess. This mile tax, what are they doing? Now, all of a sudden, they're going to add another tax, another form, another way to pay it. So no more just one IFTA filing to do. Now you do one IFTA filing, four mile taxes. Connecticut, the fifth mile tax. Texas will be the sixth mile tax. Virginia be the seventh. This will be the eighth. This will be the ninth. This will be the tenth. It's just going to keep growing. And if we don't stop it now and build it using the same methodology that IFTA did for fuel, it ain't going to work. We're just moving money around. We're taking the money that we're saying, sure, we're getting this mile tax, but now we're having to throw it right back out to do what? To do the audits for mile tax, to make sure you're paying your mile tax. You're not screwing the government. You know, the guys at Odometers go bad. We're going to have to go out and audit you now. It's just adding so much more administration that took this country, you know, decades to figure out how to quit doing it before. And what are we doing? We're starting all over again. We're going right to the before if todays and saying, well, let's just do a mile tax for every jurisdiction. Now you're going to have to have a decal or something for that. You know, so this this penny decal is now going to cost you $20 a truck. So we got to watch. We've got to learn from our history and we've got to say, look, we've got we need money. We need to fix roads. You don't want that brand new truck getting all dented up or have a pothole out there. Like on I-70, yeah. there was a pothole right. right. that got a major accident, yeah. caused all this death and everything else happening because there was a pothole. Why? Because we didn't fix it fast enough. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, Tony, before our producer, Megan, has to edit yet another podcast, <laughs> she's probably up to four podcasts by now with this one. Um, this podcast is going to have to come to a close for the same reason some of our others do. I've crossed my legs three different ways here and (laughs) it's just time to go if you know what I mean. Uh So I'm going to wish you my cool cat boss. I'm going to wish you a happy good Friday, a happy Easter, a happy Passover, a happy man boob day, a happy (laughs) national geographic boob day, and a happy eat a baby out of a cake day. I'm going to wish you all those days. I don't know what all those strong check family traditions you all do there, but uh, I'm wishing you a happy, happy days, my friend. Oh, buddy. Moving I, forward. I appreciate that same back at you. And if anything, just don't try to prove to your buddy you're better than him and that you can get to that location and get that fuel and not know what you're doing. You'll look like an ass like I did. Don't do that. And don't ever, don't ever again steal your podcast partner's punchline. I didn't know that was the punchline. one and only joke of the year. I I was trying to, I was trying to. You're too damn smart for your own good. No, I was, I was going to be a smart ass again. Like my wife says, I'm a good smart ass. (laughs) All right. Love you, buddy. Take care, buddy. Have a good weekend. Bye all. Bye bye.